0: i couldn't i I was afraid to live and i was equally afraid to die at that moment and i think that's hell on earth and i wash was washing my face caught my eyes and and a thought occurred to me what would i tell a friend who was feeling the way i felt in spite of the fact they had all of the things they had and and i remember having this conversation with myself and saying i would tell a friend i get it like i totally get it and all those things are real both things are real um and and it'll be okay like don't give up go get some help and I-
1: welcome to winning the divine lottery podcast this is an opportunity for you to discover your birthright your inherent worthiness you are more than enough to live the life your heart desires you are truly worthy of it all I'm your host, Amy Dons. Let's do the world a favor and step into ourselves fully so we can give others permission to do the same. This episode is sponsored by locally owned and operated Anytime Fitness Regina. Your small, friendly, community-filled gym that has a little something for everyone. At Anytime Fitness, you can work out anytime. Get 24-7 access to every location with your membership anywhere in the world. We have multiple memberships, including deals for students, healthcare workers, and emergency responders. Stay active this fall and give any time a try. Contact Lindsay for your free trial and personalized trainer session at 306-205-7220. Again, that's 306-205-7220. Wow, this episode with Trevor was incredibly inspiring, powerful, and fun. Who knew healing could also be fun? Trevor is just one of those guys I could talk to forever, and I know you will feel the same way listening to him. Trevor opens up and tells his story of how he had all the things, the money, the career, the family, and then everything spiraled out of control, which landed him in a breaking point moment on the bathroom floor. You can imagine what happened from there with just one decision that changed the direction of his life you will be inspired to not give up and keep going and that healing out loud can be so miraculous and once again that vulnerability is a superpower trevor is the ceo of surepoint group and the founder of the surepoint someday to today initiative He is laser-focused on building a culture of caring and believes to his core that authenticity and vulnerability are strengths. He strives to be an inspiring leader and knows that people help people best by sharing their experiences. I am so excited to introduce you to this episode. Buckle your seatbelts. We're going on a journey. It's so great to have you here today. I'm excited to chat with you. I did get to speak with you a little bit prior to this, and I know that you have so much wisdom and so much inspiration from your life experience that our listeners are going to get today. So i just like to say welcome. And if you would like to just maybe introduce yourself and share a little bit of a backstory of how you got to hear and even on this interview with me
0: yeah absolutely thanks Amy and I appreciate you inviting me to uh to come and have this chat with you um I I uh, just really quickly I grew up on a small on a farm in a small community called Elmorth, Alberta so pretty pretty small uh, kindergarten to grade nine there was never I think once only ever in the history of the school over hundred kids and so started from pretty humble beginnings and and as i shared went through a lot of uh, different things in my life um in business and and outside of business personally and professionally uh, and then i uh, i started following you on on facebook actually uh and really really was aligned uh, with a lot of the things that that you were sharing about and uh, and i reached out to you just uh just to say hi and see if you wanted to have a chat and we had a Remarkable conversation uh, not that long ago, actually. And that's sort of what led me here.
1: Wonderful. Well, let's have another one of those remarkable conversations. <laughs> what do you think?
0: Uh, yeah, I love it. For
1: sure. <laughs> yeah. So I would love for you to maybe dig into your story and your struggle with mental health and just to bring to light for our listeners. Everybody I talked to, you know, has a story and we all have overcome some sort of adversity, but everybody's journey is unique to them. I would love for you to just share what you feel called to sharing right now in this moment around that.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, This is something I'm super passionate about uh, these days. I... I, I, I think I was your typical guy growing up. you know I grew up on a farm, as I said and and played hockey and did the sports and rode horses and had cows and, and, and learned to work really hard and I learned a lot about accountability and responsibility and being a good member of the community and that was instilled in me by my parents and and work hard and uh, and I you know I got that part pretty good in, in as I was growing up and sort of uh, progressing in life got into business, and some things went really, really well for me there. But along the way, I I had always felt insecure, Amy, like my whole life I had, I had friends, uh, you know, I had a good family, I had all of these, uh, I had all of these amazing, uh, you know, things going on in my life, but I always felt less than inferior. Um, and as I as I aged or grew up or matured, or whatever, I, I, uh, those feelings didn't go away. And in some ways, they got they got worse. And I believe that, you know, um, that along with fear and insecurity and sadness and loneliness um, that I felt no matter what was going on in my life, that, that actually was a catalyst for me in many ways. Uh, I, I recognize now that I didn't like feeling anything uncomfortable. And so I became a professional runner. Uh, you know, I do anything not to feel and, and was speaking with other men, when I share a bit about my story, I find that many of them relate to that. And and I was so afraid of judgment that I would never tell anybody. I actually believed that I was so unique. Um, you know, I had all the things that people want. I had a, a loving wife and a son and and my parents loved me. And I'm close to my sisters and nephews and nieces. Had a lot of friends. I, I had a business, uh, a bunch of partners, and I started a business that was successful. And, and it was actually in my, around 37, when I, when all the, when I had all of those things and, uh, we had sold our business and so I'd become, you know, financially stable as well and had a fancy house and, and a big acreage, um, horses in the barn. And I even had a sports car in the garage and I felt more lost, lonely, sad than I had ever felt in my life. And my life spiraled for about three years, um, at that point. And wow. that was at a time where I believed once I got to that place in my life, I just thought, you know, everything's going to be okay. And, uh, and I'm going to feel all right. And the reality is I didn't, I felt worse.
1: Amazing. I mean, not amazing that you had to go through it, but <laughs> at the same time, yes. Amazing. Cause it was the catalyst, but we hear this, like this, this story of when I achieve all of these things, I'll be this and this and this we hear this story all the time, and then once that person gets those things, they they feel more empty. They have this void inside of them. So you talked a little bit about um, this awareness that you've been insecure your whole life, and that as you got older, it's almost like that got louder. And I wanted to touch on that because I think insecurity is a human condition. We, we all have insecurities around certain things. Um, but there's so much shame around that. I feel, I mean, even in myself, when I've gone through stages of my life where my insecurities have been a lot louder, so I can relate to that. What, what I feel and have seen even in my clients is it's shame. It's it's like the parts of ourselves that we don't want anybody else to see because we think nobody else feels that way. When it really what you said, it's the exact opposite. Everybody feels that way or has felt that way. So around that time then, when those three years were occurring for you, what, what happened to that part of you? Like what happened to that part of you that was really insecure? Do you feel like it came right to the surface and you couldn't run away from it anymore?
0: Yeah. So, so from 37 to 40, um, my, my, like my life really did spiral and I was making some pretty poor choices. Uh, and my wife and I ended up separating. I was living alone in a, rented uh, apartment in Edmonton really fancy one and and I and I would you know I would uh run into people or talk I'd talk openly about the fact that I was separated and some things that were going on my job uh was not going that well and I would I would say you know people ask me how things are are going and I or how I was doing and I would always answer the same oh you know good yeah things are good I you know I uh my wife and I are separated but you know we've been fighting a lot so that's okay my kid doesn't really talk to me very much but he'll come around and and uh you know a bunch of bravado crap to be honest with you oh and you know i may end up not being a part of of surepoint and that and that's good too but the reality was when i when i got home all alone in that apartment i was like a five-year-old boy afraid of the dark like i spent a lot of time in the fetal position and uh and i would get up the next day and go through it again and i wore so many masks that the reality is i didn't even know who i was anymore and one day uh at 40 years old, I, I woke up on a bathroom floor uh, and wanted to end my life. I had an almost overwhelming desire to end my life. And I spent about 10 or 12 weeks in that in that uh, apartment. And that was over 12 years ago. And I can tell you the the specs of the colors on the tile on that floor. I can tell you how it smells. I can tell you every detail about that bathroom today. And And thankfully, I got up off that floor and made a different choice that day. Um, I was washing my face, and I was i I caught my eyes and I realized now that I probably hadn't truly looked at myself in the eyes um for most of my adult life or or maybe all of it. and and I was starting to cry, but I refused to cry. I had made a commitment at twenty one years old that I was never going to cry again. And uh, my heart got broke by a girl, and uh, I woke up on a bathroom floor then too. And so I have a thing with bathroom floors, but uh, <laughs> But the truth was, I caught my eyes, I was starting to cry and I was like, I am not going to cry. Um, but I, and so it hit me help. So I grabbed my phone, I googled, you know, uh, put in how I was feeling and up came psychiatrists, psychologists and a bunch of different stuff. And and this was the thought that entered my mind. This is kind of the insanity that I was facing at the time. Uh, it was, um, I am not going to a psychiatrist because what would my friends and family think? I don't want them to think I'm crazy. And there I was like in that very moment in a very short period of time going from, I can't take this anymore. I want to end my life, but I'm afraid to end my life and I won't go to a psychiatrist. And thankfully, I mean, the universe works in mysterious ways. And I, uh, and, and I was like, I've scrolled down and I found life coach and I thought, well, I can sell that. I mean, people will be proud of me for getting a coach. Uh, and so I, so I reached out to this lady online and she got back to me within minutes and she had a cancellation for the next day. And, and that, that decision changed my life. I I ended up going to see her the next day. Um, and, and, you know, mask on, dressed up nice, showered, you know, I'm going in there being all positive. Um, and she saw through it. Thankfully she asked me how I was doing. And I said, I'm doing good. Got a few things. Wife and I are separated. Job's not going so good. Kid doesn't talk to me, but other than that, really good. And she said, uh, she said, I'm worried about you. I don't think you're okay. And I said, I'm okay. And she said, no, you're not. And then she said, and I can't help you. And that freaked me out. And she said, please stay in this room. Do not leave this office, please. I'll be back in two minutes. And she walked down the hall and she came back in with with a great big guy. And he put his hand out and he said, hi, Trevor, I'm Dr. Gons. Nice to meet you. And says, you're struggling with some things. And I said, She's got me freaked out a little bit here to be honest with you. And he said that's okay, you got a minute, and he pulled me into another room and talked to me for a few minutes and and uh and I didn't really talk about much, but I felt better and I booked an appointment with him for the next day and went to that man for twice a week uh, for a few months and then once once a week and then once a month for a few years and and he helped save my life.
1: So There's so much that you said that is so valuable that I just want to some pieces that really just stood out for me. First of all, something that happens to all of us that a lot of the times we're told, oh, just get over it. You know what I mean? And that's when, when we get our heart broken. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a real thing. And if we've never experienced it before, or that that version or that intensity of getting our heart broken, it can really spiral us in a different direction. So I just I wanted to acknowledge that and to anyone who's listening who has had their heart broken or maybe are experiencing it right now, that I think the wrong thing to say some to somebody in that moment is just get over it. And that brings me to, to what you said in the mirror to yourself, which was, I get it. Everything you're experiencing is real yeah, and it's going to be okay. Because in those moments, when we're feeling that broken, what we need is understanding and acknowledgement and encouragement we don't need to have whatever be pointed out and this is what you need to do to fix it. And I think that's so vital and so important to bring up. And the fact that you came full circle with the bathroom floor, it's kind of <laughs> comical. But at the same time, I mean, the bathroom floor was literally the, the thing that was holding you in the moment and to the point where you can remember the specks of colors and, and the smell that just goes to show you how powerful our senses are when we're experiencing trauma Mm -hmm. and pain, because that is embodied in our memory and in our nervous system. And I, I really admire that you were very honest about Basically being in between two worlds, one where you were so terrified of ending your life, but you were also terrified of living and how often we can find ourselves in these places in all different aspects of life, right? We can find ourselves in the in-between space of feeling this fear and Trevor to invoke upon our listeners that you knew that when you got back to that apartment that your little boy your five-year-old little boy was scared and that's often what I find is the little boy the little girl that's the part of us that is actually scared that's the fear and until we acknowledge the little person in us and go it's okay to be scared i understand why you're scared that's i feel like when true healing gets to start happening when we acknowledge the the little one inside of us and again i mean the fact that you saw life coach and she was there and you know, answered you right away and you got to get into seer, but what a tremendous life coach to look at you and say, I can't help you. Like what, to me, that is a wonderful, bold, strong life coach that it wasn't about her. It was about you and went and got the guy that could help you.
0: Yeah. And I want to, I want to share that, I wasn't fooling in the universe by picking a life coach because um, both her and Dr. Gons were psychiatrists. So, <laughs> so.
1: I was wondering they,
0: they were, they were undercover. They were undercover.
1: Undercover life coaches. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I love so, that. No, so I was, I, I, yeah, I will tell the truth. There, it was like, yeah, as much as I was trying not to see a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist, it's exactly where I ended up, and it, and it, it was the right place for me. Um, and so when I met, I started to see Doctor Gons more frequently, and he would talk to me about, you know, about emotions. some and and I realized that growing up, I never really learned how to deal with my emotions. I never learned how to feel. I learned a lot of really good life skills from my parents, um, but that wasn't one of them. And and I would go and see him and he would say things like, you can't give what you don't have, Trev. You, you know, if you don't have any money, you can't help people financially. And he put things into reference things the way that I would understand. and uh, And I wasn't getting it. And one day I walked in and I sat down and out of the blue, he said this to me, he said, Trevor, how are you feeling? And and I I think that was the first time in my life that anybody had ever asked me how I was feeling unless they knew I was sick. And I blurted out this. I said, Dr. Guns, how am I feeling? I am insecure all the time. I'm afraid of everything. I'm afraid of success and afraid of failure. I said, I am sad or I'm numb and I'm lonely. I'm lonely all the time. I'm lonely when I'm all alone. I'm lonelier when I'm with friends and I'm lonely." loneliest when I'm with my family and I don't know what the hell is wrong with me. And I said that, Amy, and I was like, <clears throat> like I did it, you know, when I say something to my wife that I just absolutely regret the minute I say it, that's how I felt. I wanted to suck it all back in. Here was this guy that I looked up to and respected, wanted him to see me as this, you know, strong, capable man. Um, and I said it and I and I immediately my brain's like going just nuts. Like, oh my God, I shouldn't have said that. And I expected him to say, you know, Trev, you just have to change your perspective and look at all the things you have in your life to be grateful for. And it was that's what was going through my head quickly. And instead, he looked at me and he looked me in the eye and he said, oh man, I get it. He said, and if you would have told me anything else, I wouldn't have believed it. And thank you for telling me that. Thank you for being uh, vulnerable with me. And I felt a tremendous amount of relief at that moment and realized I had never told a human being how I felt not to that detail. I'd never heard another man ever. And I know lots of men and ever talk like that. And I realized at that moment that, you know, I'd been suffering in silence for years. And as soon as I was brave enough to share a little bit about how I was feeling, there was help there. And, and I've used that moment in that, that time in my life, uh, you know, to make decisions in, in my life, in my business and in my personal life and and to be more open and honest and vulnerable because I believe this today that give people permission to do the right thing, they'll do the right thing. And it's impossible to help somebody if you don't know they need help. And that's something else I've learned, so.
1: Okay, Trevor. This is why I'm doing this podcast because you said something so important that relates to everybody is very often, we grow up never being asked how we feel unless we're sick. Isn't that the most bizarre thing ever? And it's nobody's fault. It's what we've learned from generation after generation after generation. And I do believe we're getting better at this. But I, when you said that, I was like, whoa mic drop moment there we need to change this trajectory and when you were met with exactly what you said in the mirror to yourself that day from this man this angel who was sent into your life and he looked at you after sharing what you felt and this is what happens when we do something that's so out of the ordinary and unfamiliar than the character that we've played up until that point, which was you not talking about how you feel and suppressing your emotions. And then all of a sudden your heart opened and you blurted all this stuff out. And he met you with such compassion yeah. and acknowledgement and said, I get you. Like he he spoke the words back to you yeah. of what you spoke to yourself in the mirror. This is an invitation into all of our listeners, I really feel. I mean, can you imagine how much our relationships were changing? Our life is about relationships. We have relationships in our career. We have relationships in our personal life. If we could meet people with asking more how you feel and saying thank you, Thank you for sharing that. Can you imagine? Thank you for sharing how you felt because you know what? It's not the easiest thing. There's the part of us that still feels, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable here. I still call my parents sometimes and I know I need to share how I feel. And I have a hard time getting that out because I have that little girl inside of me that's so afraid that I'm going to be judged. Yeah, I, I still work with that. And I'm 47. Yeah.
0: So Life life is life is a journey. And I understand that. Amy, I have a mentor in my life who says, uh, you can't F with feelings, you can't screw with feelings. And, and he, he said he would, he would call me, uh, he would call me emotionally dishonest, he'd say, stop being dishonest. And I, I said, I'm not dishonest. And he said, not, not, you know, not cash register dishonest. And I'd leave my bank, I'd leave my bank card with you and give you the pin. I'm not worried about that, Trev. Um, but you don't share how you feel, and how do you expect people to to know, uh, you know, to know what's going on in your life, or or to know that what they're doing is or isn't bothering you, or to be there to help or support you, um, or assist, or just be there for you if you don't share how you feel. And and you know we brought this into my personal relationships where um, I'm more comfortable. I'm not totally comfortable with it, but more comfortable with with sharing how I feel and the difference in sharing how I feel or sharing how to, how people feel in relationships versus what we think it's life changing. And I'll tell you a quick little story. I went to uh, I went to a New Year's party at my sister in law's. My wife and I went. And this was years ago and we get in the truck to go home. It's just after midnight and she, uh, and I can tell she's pissed at me. Like I can tell she's not talking to me. And I I say, what's wrong? Oh, nothing's wrong. And I, I say, well, something's wrong. Something's obviously wrong. You're not talking to me. And she says, you know, uh, you know, earlier in the night when we're all in the kitchen and you said that thing, I'm like, yeah, that thing that was funny. I mean, that was hilarious. And, and she said, you're not funny. It wasn't funny. She said it was actually immature. And I said, It was hilarious you just have a really bad sense of humor and everyone laughed and i think i'm hilarious and this became like we have a 15 minute drive became this big fight i'm sleeping in the basement and come up a day later and say i'm sorry even though i didn't mean it i just didn't want to fight anymore i want to get back in my own bed and and then i learn about talking about feelings and so we're you know her and i are both doing this like go fast forward a couple years and we're at the exact same place Um, and we're there for a gathering and we leave and we get in the truck and, and my wife is upset and I say, Hey, what's wrong? And she said, you know, that thing you said, and I said, Oh yeah, I was just trying to be funny. And she said, actually, I know that, but uh, I didn't think it was funny. It actually, it actually hurt my feelings a little bit. And I immediately put my hand on her lap and said, I am so sorry. I realized I will fight. I will sleep in the basement if she thinks I'm not funny you know, what she thinks, I'm willing to fight about that. And, and like in the basement, I'm going to stand my ground. But the minute she told me how she felt, I said, I never, like, I never, ever want to make you feel that way. And I'm sorry. And that one thing, you know, there's two exact scenarios, almost identical. And, and it ended up um, one, because she shared how she felt and I could relate. I had immediate uh, compassion and empathy at that moment. And it, and I sincerely apologized right then. And I did not end up in the basement, which was a bonus. So
1: oh, you're so much in that, too, because so many things were going through my head when you're talking about that. First of all, um, that you can still believe that you're funny and still <laughs> acknowledge somebody else's feelings, right? You can yeah. still think that that was funny, but for whatever reason, what was ever triggered in her hurt her feelings and and when you eliminate the blame yeah then that is an empty space then for compassion and just understanding it doesn't mean that you have to stop being funny or think that you're funny but also (laughs) this this is really coming up inside of me because what do we do when we share how we feel and the other person actually is not capable of receiving that because that also does happen a lot.
0: Very often. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's interesting. And it was, so here's what I've learned just personally. Um, when I first started to go down this journey and and get some self-awareness and own my heart and share how I was feeling. Uh, you know, I I had expectations. And I, I was like, if I share how I feel, I expect to get I expect to get a response that, that, that makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that that's not that's not what it's yeah. about. And I can actually share how I feel. And just by sharing how I feel, you know, in a in a mature way, uh, an emotionally mature way, then then I, I can feel okay about that. And and it, I had to learn that it's not about it's not about getting what I want. That's what I wanted my whole life. I just wanted to feel better, and I believed that if people would do what I wanted, I'd feel better. You know, if the people <laughs> family would just you know treat me a certain way, or act a certain way, or behave a certain way, or respond a certain way, I would feel better. And I had to learn that that's not the reality um, of life. If I want to feel better, I can share how I feel. I can give them information. I also learned this. If something is going on in my life, in my relationship close to me, and somebody's doing something that is it, that is triggering me or bothering me emotionally, and I don't tell them that in a healthy way, that's my fault. I can't expect somebody to change their behavior around me if I don't give them information that it bothers me. Um, mm-hmm. and, and once I do, that's it. That's all I can do. You know what yeah. when you do this thing it bothers me and yeah. and 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 then give them the information and allow them the opportunity to change or or not but then i can feel better with the fact that i let them know and i think okay. there's i think there's a lot of power in that amy and and uh i shared this and i didn't get what i wanted back that's the thing that i work hard at because it's not about that it's not up to me to change other people But it is up to me to be honest, courageous enough to be honest about how I'm feeling. Yeah,
1: because that's really for you. That's for the person that you're deciding to be, to be honest and transparent and, and share and be vulnerable. Because that, that really, I say this all the time and it's not even mine, it's Brene Brown's, but vulnerability is the bridge of a connection. And yeah. if we don't build the bridge, we never give the other person an opportunity to walk across it and meet us there. And it's still their choice if they want to do that or not. Absolutely. So I love that so much.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan of her as well. And yeah, especially how she, uh, you know, how she relates things back to vulnerability and authenticity and I've come to know now that it's actually strength. Um, it mm-hmm. me being vulnerable and authentic doesn't take away from my masculinity. I, you know, I still do guy stuff. Um, but uh, but it it took more courage than for me to start to talk about this stuff openly than it than it did to, you know, get in a fight in a parking lot, honestly. Like, and 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 that's the other reality. I was always afraid of that too. Like, you know, but I I was more afraid of. Of what people would think if I didn't stand up for myself than I was. If I was like, "Hey, you know, I don't like getting punched in the face. It hurts, and I'm scared."
1: <laughs> I get it. I get it. This it is all, so good. This I'll is organically. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. No, that's uh, this. I think. This is organically going in like the most perfect direction because one of the reasons I'm connecting with men also on my podcast is I think it's really important for men like yourself mm-hmm. to share their journeys and to share how vulnerability does not take away from your masculinity. If anything, it it radiates it, it strengthens it. And I know in general, as a society, there is this conditioning around what it means to be a man. And I mean, even personally in our own homes, you Um, learn things from your father about what that looked like and whether they were positive or negative I'd love for you to maybe put yourself back in that space as a young boy of what you learned being a man looked like and how that's changed and evolved over the trajectory of your life and who you are as a man today that's a lot I just threw at you
0: yeah no and and so um I I had a I had a belief and, and I still do to this day, honestly, that, you know, part of being a man and and uh, and having a family is to provide and protect. And I and I I still believe that uh, today I, I look at it differently. I look at providing and protecting differently. Um, you know, my dad and I raised my son the same way. So this is not a, a shot at my dad at all in a negative way. But my, my dad was a he was a tough guy and he worked hard and he worked on the farm and he worked off the farm and and if something was going on in his life emotionally or physical pain, he just went to work anyway. It just didn't matter. And and that was instilled in me to, you know, go to work. And my role in the family when I had my own family was to provide for my family and to protect them. And 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 one of his Favorite things to say to me when I was crying—I don't know if it was his favorite thing—but one of the things that he would say, and I used the same parenting tactic, was if I was crying because my feelings were hurt or I was afraid of the the chicken or the rooster or or you know the horse that bucked me off, um, and I'd be crying as a young lad, he'd be he'd say, "Stop your crying, or I'll give you something to cry about," and and I know that he was trying to. You know, make me tough and strong. Um, but it, even as a kid, it didn't make sense. I'd be like, that meant he was probably gonna come and boot me in the butt. But um, but then I'd be like, well, then I'll like I'll continue to cry, but now I'll have two reasons to cry. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't eliminate one. Um, and I, I used that same thing with my son, like, stop your crying, or I'll give you something to cry about. And it wasn't until I went through what I went through and become who I am today where I recognized that you know, it's, it's actually okay. I can provide and protect for my, provide for my family and protect them um, and be there and be strong, but I can also be honest about how I'm feeling. I can also be a human being. I can, I have emotions and I've learned this. And I went out on a mission, you know, uh, I had a friend tell me one time uh, when I was going through this, I'm doing a lot of work on myself and really digging deep and trying to figure out, uh, you know, um, what my own personal character flaws are and and how I can become a better human. And I had this friend who's become a mentor in my life. And he said to me one time when I was with him and a group of other, other guys, and he said, I have some good news for you, Trevor. And I said, what's that? He said, you no longer have to suffer from terminal uniqueness. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. like, you know, he did it as a bit of a, a jolt. He said, he said, Trevor, your experiences are different you know, you lived in a different house, you've been to different places, you have different friends. But when you talk about how you feel, every single one of us can relate. We all feel the same. And I've, I've gone out on a mission to try and prove or disprove that. And I have traveled all over the world. And I've had the opportunity to talk to people um, in third world countries uh, that have nothing. And they're so they know they're poor, but they don't even have any comprehension of how poor they are. And I've got yeah. to set of tables with with uh people who are multimillionaires and and a billionaire that I that I got to know well and 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 I've asked farmers, teachers, boarders in Kilimanjaro, people in Africa, you know, business people, everybody kind of the same questions. And and I'll I'll say, do you have kids? Yeah. You know, do you love your kids? Yeah. Do you do, do they frustrate you? Do you worry about them? Like do, do they cause you some anxiety or stress? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have parents? Yeah. Do you worry about them? Are they aging? You know, Have you ever had your heart broken? Have you ever been dumped by a girl? Have you ever felt sad? Have you ever been in love? Have you ever felt lonely? And And not one human being, and I'm talking thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people that I've talked to about this stuff, not one has ever told me they didn't feel those things. And mm-hmm. I am talking from people who have absolutely zero, like nothing, they live on the street in a third world country. To a, to a billionaire. And every one of them has told me the same thing. And I've proven that at an emotional level, at least I've proven to myself, that at an emotional level, every single one of us is the same. Every one of us feels all the feelings. And we feel them differently and for different reasons. And 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 as we grow and go through experiences, you know, I believed when I was 21 and, and, I, and I got my heart broke by a girl, I believed that was the worst pain I would ever feel in my life. And then at 27, I went through an experience, and I believe that was the worst experience and first feeling I ever had in my life. And then 37, and then 40. And, and so I, I stopped saying that. But what has happened is that, you know, I build up a resiliency and I learn to handle hard better. And, but when it comes to emotions, um, every one of us feels feelings, and yet we talk so little about it. We don't talk in feelings. Yeah we we know our head from our heart in most of our conversations
1: yeah right um that intellect sometimes overtakes everything okay you went from from dad to dad to now being on this mission that was so much but what I loved about it was um, just your honesty I know that that generation was very I mean that's what they learn, right? Our parents impart on us what they've learned to be true for them. And it's not wrong or right, good or bad. It's how we um, take it on, I guess, as our identity and our personality that kind of affects us as we get older. But that generation very often with men and women, I do believe was don't cry, you know, don't cry. That's like, just don't. I mean, I was even told that as a child, don't cry. And the fact that though you use that on your son and then you recognize that wait, I can still be a provider and protector, but I can also honor my emotions and I can also honor emotions in other people. That's a huge turnaround. And I love how you added some context to when you shared that, you know, you're not unique. Because if I were to hear that right away, I'd be like, what do you mean I'm not unique?
0: (laughs) I know, I know, but
1: you added that context so that it's relatable. And I genuinely and sincerely really appreciate that because it is true. I mean, at the core of it, we've all had experiences that have triggered certain emotions and feelings in us. And, and I I love that. I love that you're on this mission. And I want to say one more thing. Um, when you were talking about the thing happening to you and you saying, Oh my gosh, this is like the worst thing ever I'm going through. I think we all do that. Cause I was even doing that in my life. I went through a divorce. This is the worst thing ever. And then I went through something else. Oh my gosh, this is worse <laughs> than my divorce. And it's so funny because that's what happens though. We do really become more resilient. And I remember hearing U.S. Anderson, he wrote the book, Three Magic Words, and he talked about, um, there's no hard or easy, but when we do things without love, that's when they're hard. And when we do things with love, that's when they're easy.
0: Hmm. What's that and- for-
1: That's called three magic words by Uh you. It's an an incredible book. And when I heard that, I was like, Ooh, because it might take effort, you know, physical effort or, um, mental effort, something like that. But when we truly can come from a place of being open and receptive and loving, we, create a whole different experience for ourselves. And that really spoke to me because I have actually been inviting in a life of less hard because coming from trauma, that's what we know best. That's what we're familiar with to the point where I think that on a subconscious level, we almost seek it out. Mm. And to do the opposite would actually be choosing ease and flow and grace and what would that look like for me like i've actually been really digging into that and so when i heard that i was like well of course it's just can i approach this from a place of love can i have this conversation from a place of love can i do this task from a place of love and it, it really got me thinking
0: yeah and that's super interesting um and and i also learned this from dr Guns, you can't give what you don't have and if you're not full and for me if i'm not full of love patience tolerance kindness for myself it's impossible to give to others and and i think about this more in my career probably than anything like when things are hard when th- i i have i've worked a lot you know and when i'm passionate about something and i love it and i'm committed the hours go by. It's, it's not that it's not hard. It's just not as hard and it's fun and it's exciting. And there's, you know, there's a purpose to it. And any time that I've been stuck in this place of kind of long-term anxiety and angst um, in any part of my life, it is really because of that. It's hard because I make it hard. Um, I make it hard because I'm doing something. I hate painting. Painting is hard for me. It sucks. And, and an hour of painting feels like a week of painting, But there's things that i'll do that are harder than that physically or mentally but the time just flies by and so i think that's very interesting that you brought that up
1: um hmm. i'm just like what what kind of painting trevor because i could give you a paintbrush and a canvas and take you through a whole experience that you'd probably (laughs) love painting so are you just talking about painting a wall i'm
0: talking about painting a wall wow (laughs) I, i hate i hate painting a wall i i would rather do almost anything than paint a room. And I've done it lots, but it, it is like, yeah, it's like drip drip on my forehead. Uh, And (laughs) and so, and so for that, it's just, I would rather do almost anything else, but I've done things that are a lot harder physically and mentally. um, But it doesn't, I love it. It's, you know, to your point, I love it when I, some of the things that have been the hardest for me in my life Um, I've just absolutely loved it and so it was well worth it was well worth the effort and and so hmm, it's interesting
1: interesting hey that's so interesting and I mean it's good to choose things that really bring us joy but if a room needs painting (laughs) I get that like somehow we have to find ways to make it enjoyable or to see the purpose of it you know that it's it's gonna appear fresher and cleaner if we're painting it for a baby's room do you know what i mean to somehow make it purposeful
0: (laughs) i i think some things in life and i and i believe this too sometimes you just got to do the stuff like
1: yeah that's true
0: sometimes it doesn't actually matter how i feel i have Mm -hmm. i have to do the stuff Uh, before we started this i talked about that i want to go on this i've I've committed myself to doing a kilometer a day a, a kilometer walk every morning when i get up First thing, an hour without my phone and I want to do it for 365 days, a minimum of a kilometer, a maximum of three. And that's really because I'm trying to find some balance in my life. And I'm like, hey, I can do this. It's 10 to 20 minutes of walk. It's good for me. Um, But I'm not going to feel like it some mornings. And, and it doesn't matter if I feel like it and painting the room, it doesn't matter if I feel like painting the room, sometimes the room has to be painted. And so we paint it. So I do think that there are are good things and lessons in life from that too, because, because sometimes life is hard. And, and I look back to my childhood and a lot of the things that I learned about getting up and feeding the cows and the pigs and the chickens at 4 30 or 5 a.m if if that was what it took didn't matter if i was tired it didn't matter if it was minus 45 it didn't matter how i felt about it it had to be done and and those are qualities that i'm so grateful that were instilled in me um those are the those are things that have helped me so much in my life and and helped me when i did face those really 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 difficult times in my life even mentally and emotionally I had some toughness and I had some ability, some coping mechanism, whether it was healthy or not, to be like, get up and do it anyway. And that's, you know, that's the other side of of the of the spectrum. And, And sometimes I have to do things I don't like. And then I get a choice on on how I choose to perceive it to change how I feel. I can be miserable painting a room for two days, or or I can accept that it needs to be done. And I can change the way I think about it and at least, at least make it bearable for me because I I could, I know that I have the power to enjoy it, but, but I'm not going to.
1: (laughs) You know what I like about that though, too, is, um, of course, there's so many things that we don't feel like doing. I think what that teaches us though, is that we're, we're so much more than our feelings and it's our thinking about the thing that actually makes us feel a certain way anyways, but with consistency of overriding our feelings and doing it anyway, with consistency, we actually build a level of confidence and integrity because we're holding true to our word. We're being integral to ourselves. And over time, it can be the littlest thing, like you said, committing to walking 365 days. I committed to doing yoga every day this year and I've stuck to it. So I understand what that does. So it's still, it's still creating a purpose. It's just not an instant like gratification. That's right. It's it's creating our character.
0: That's it builds character. Yeah. All of that stuff is necessary to be a well-rounded human and have a healthy life. I believe you you said something, and I like to say this to to folks, if you want to change how you feel, change how you think. And if yeah, you want change how you think, change how you feel. And yeah. and it all for me, it all starts here. It all mm-hmm. starts here. And and when and when I become aware and I accept and then I do something about it, I can change how I feel about a situation. And I can feel better and I have the power to do that. I often still at at this point in my life, I still like to wallow in the pity. Sometimes I like to, I like to stay for a little while in the pain. And it's because it's a place that I'm familiar with. Um, But I don't, I don't for as long or as often. And I also recognize that for me, it's a very, very slippery slope. If I allow myself to go there for too long and, and, you know, I have, it's been over, 12 years since I've thought about ending my life. And, and so no matter what I faced in my life, I've never got back to that point and God willing, I never will. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, I I have, a, I have a really good life today in spite of the fact that sometimes it's difficult. And in spite of the fact that I'm still living a human experience and in spite of the fact I still make mistakes and I still beat myself up about stuff and I can still feel shame, guilt, anxiety, all of those things, but I have some tools today And people in my life, I have giants in my life that I can talk to, I can be honest with and and they are honest with me. You know, they don't just coddle me. They don't just validate everything that I feel, um, but they're there for me to give me honest feedback and they're they're there to love me, um, especially in those moments where I don't love myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You said some really important things there um, that our thoughts create our feelings especially when we buy into them right like usually if if a thought creates a feeling it's because we're attached to it somehow mm. um but also in those moments sometimes you know when i'm in a pity party too sometimes the best thing for me is just to let myself feel it first like accept that this is what's happening and that i'm there and then we we talked about this before like the the awareness of this is how i'm feeling the acceptance of this is what's happening and until we do those first two we can't actually take real true aligned action if we jump right to action then we're not being emotionally mature about it we're reacting from that little 5-year-old place
0: absolutely and that and that is so true and i when we talked before i said the hardest thing for me is not even awareness um, you know, on on something, it's it's acceptance. The yes. hardest part for me is acceptance. It's accepting the reality as reality. and and I I I recognize this um, this year actually, or or maybe end of last year, because i've I've heard this saying often, and I really bought into it perception is reality. My perception is my reality. and and I realized one day that my perception is my reality, but that doesn't mean it's reality. My perception of reality, and somebody else's perception of reality can be exactly opposite and we can both believe that our reality is correct and i have to check myself to be like is my perception of my reality really reality and that's where i need people in my life who will help me with that because i don't like to accept some things i just don't like to and i will rationalize and justify things to suit my narrative and to suit and to validate how i'm feeling um, and I think I told you about the time that I talked to this uh, life coach years and years ago, Art was his name. And, and he said, you can't change anything without three A's awareness, acceptance, and action. And he said, once you become aware of something, until you're aware of it, you're not, you're, un, you're until you're aware, you're not aware. And so yeah, don't beat exactly. yourself up about things that you're not changing when you're unaware. But once you become aware of something, you can never become unaware of something. And now and, and so that's the awareness. And then acceptance is a choice. You can choose to accept or you can choose not to accept. And you can come up with some story. And I shared about this story at Disneyland where where he said he, he put it into a, f- a reference of if you're with your family at Disneyland and you live in Edmonton and you have a bungalow and you're on the log ride in Disneyland and your basement is flooding, how do you feel? I'm like I, and nobody tells you that your basement's flooding. I'm like I feel great. I love the log ride at Disneyland. It's my favorite place on the planet. He goes exactly, and then you come home the middle of the night. You fly back in, and you step into your house on the main floor, and your feet are wet. Now you now you know that there's water in your house, and that's probably a problem. So now you're aware that there's water on the upstairs of your house. So you have a choice to make. You can accept that you have a problem in your basement, that there's a pipe broke, and your and your your house is flooding. Or you can tell yourself that you now have an indoor swimming pool. You can go buy a dinghy, a six-pack of beer. You can <laughs> float around in water until your foundation cracks and the house falls in on your head. This is where the choice is. And that choice dictates the ac- the action or the outcome. And that is if you choose, if you accept that you have a problem in your basement, you can bring someone in to pump out the water and fix the pipe and fix the foundation so that you have a stronger foundation than you've ever had. But so often in my life, I got stuck at the acceptance and I'm like, this is not the reality and it's not the thing I want to believe. And so I'm gonna choose not to believe it. And I suffered for way longer. I didn't want to fix the basement. I wanted to float around on a dinghy because <laughs> it's easier. So
1: you and I have that in common. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of people probably feel the same way. I have a feeling that the listeners that are are tuning in right now. Um that that's the key piece is the acceptance piece. And once you accept, it doesn't mean that you're accepting this as your permanent reality. It just is what it is. And it's so funny. I think the thing that gets in the way of acceptance is the meaning and the story that we're creating, right? The meaning that we're giving to something. When if we can just go, hey, this is happening. Okay. It is what it is what are the solutions right i mean there's so many things because we can't we can't find the solution to the problems from the same level of consciousness that created it and it's usually the meaning that we're giving or the story we're telling And i think of brene brown again she always she talks about how she speaks with her husband she talked about the story when they were in the water together and he had an anxiety attack and she didn't know and she thought he was ignoring her and And she began with the story I'm telling myself is because it removes again, that blame. And it can even be as easy as the story I'm telling myself removes the blame then on either an outside circumstance or towards ourselves. It's just so good to become aware of these stories that we're telling ourselves. It's, it's wild. And meditation for me is a huge part of my life. I think Um, meditation, I heard the other day, meditation is about becoming familiar with. Hmm. So when I meditate, I don't play music, I don't have any distractions, I just sit and listen, because I'm becoming familiar with my thoughts, my patterns, how Hmm. I get attached to ones and go in different directions. And the longer we can do that, the more aware actually, of how we become of our thought patterns and our behaviors, the more dare I say, in control, then we get to choose to create experiences rather than just react from those subconscious patterns.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I enjoy meditating as well. And I find it, it's helped me so much in my life. Um, I don't do it consistently anymore. I have uh, at different times. And now that you brought it up again, I'm like, that's something I want to incorporate again, even a few minutes a day was life changing for me. And it would just settle, it would settle everything in my, in my body, in my mind, my heart, and my soul. And, uh, and, and it was just a great way to reground. But I like what you said about how you do it in complete silence and, and go within and, and start to start to see uh, the patterns. And, and I think that, all, well, I know all of us have those and I, and I certainly do. And, and I'll catch myself um, sometimes thinking the way I used to think, um, and, and knowing better, but still kind of playing the story over and over and over for a while. Even once I become aware that I'm playing the story, I'm like, I, I, again, will uh, will let it go. And I have a, I have a, a friend who says, um, sometimes my thinking is so bad. I need to replace it with someone else's. <laughs> and, uh, so true. And, it, and it's so and it's so true and that's the other thing reaching out and having conversations like this and talking to somebody about what's going on in my head is therapeutic I'm spending the time to meditate I remember when I first started meditating and I thought it was hokey crap to be honest with you and I'm like people talk about calmness of mind and and that's that's not a reality like and I would be like I'm doing this wrong like I would be so angry at myself for meditating wrong and then over time realize there's no wrong way to meditate yeah. It is to get there and then finding finding moments, seconds or or you know, multiple seconds where I just think nothing in that peace that comes from calmness of mind. Um, it's 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 like an experience I can't even explain if people haven't meditated before and got there. and I don't get there often, but when I do, it's just like, holy crow, like that is when I'm just truly being me when it's just calm. Yeah. Like, my mind's not going.
1: Oh, if we had more time, I would totally get into uh, a story (laughs) of when my mind completely was quiet for almost seven days. So yeah, I'm going to save that for a solo episode. I I think I'm going to share that because it, it was so powerful and you're right though. It's, it's the little moments that build up over time. So You can't do meditation wrong. I invite you into beginning. I invite you into just surrendering because we have so much going on on the inside anyways. And really our reality is everything that's happening on the inside pushed out. So I would love to invite people into meditation. And I have two closing questions for you. Are you ready? Yeah, you bet. I'm throwing you into the fire here. (laughs) All right. Um, If you were to story title... This next chapter of your life, what would you call it?
0: Oh, that is uh, that is interesting. I have been thinking about writing a book, um, and I I actually have decided that I am going to, and I'm going to call it Terminal Uniqueness, and and uh, and I want I want to share my story of how I thought I was so different and so unique, um, and I I want the future me you know, the rest of my life, I want to remember, I want to remember those experiences that I had, the way I felt the way I thought, and not in morbid reflection at all. But as a reminder that that's where I was, and this is how far I've come. And also, to maybe help other people to recognize that they're truly not alone. And and that, and that life, uh, no matter what they're facing today, life can truly be so much better in the future. Um, And it and it comes down to, being really honest with yourself about what's really going on and uh, and finding the courage to be brave enough to share with another human being
1: well i can't wait to read your book which is titled (laughs) terminal uniqueness which is also the next chapter of your life which will be so exciting (laughs) i think the intention of letting people know that they're not alone is huge okay final question When you hear winning the divine lottery, what does that mean for you?
0: So that is an interesting question, actually. Winning the divine lottery, I think of it more from uh, uh, a dimension of spirituality, to be honest with you. And that's something that we didn't get into today. But And I don't get into religion and I don't get into debates about about, uh, that at all. But I do know that for me, um, there is a power greater than myself. There's something in this universe that is greater than I. And, and I love the fact that that's a reality for me. And I feel like that moment on the bathroom floor was, was, uh, was a breakthrough for me. And I believe that there was some sort of uh, divine intervention in my life for me to make the choice that I made. And I I really believe that today. And I believe those people who have suffered enough in their life to hit that point um, are the blessed ones. I I am grateful for the day I woke up on the bathroom floor. The darkest day of my life became the best day of my life, or the worst day of my life became the best day of my life. And because it opened me up to something that I that I had never connected with before. And that's a that's a power in the universe, is what I I'll leave it at. So I believe those people who end up in the darkest moments and find that light have won the divine lottery.
1: Everybody's going to go get so sick of hearing me say this, who are listening to all my episodes, but it's so poignant that I need to speak it into existence because I'm asking everybody that question. And every time it's, it's comes back to your, That we're not unique in the way we think we are. It comes back to that, Trevor, because when I hear everybody answer that from their own personal point of view, winning the divine lottery belongs to everybody. It is not mine. It isn't something that I thought up on my own. It's something that came through me so that I could ask this question and it could grow and multiply and evolve and blossom into this this beautiful thing that I have no words for because it's everybody else's words. And I think it's, it's becoming what I feel, talking about feelings, what I feel in my body right now is... union. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. It's been an absolute honor having you here today. Sorry, did you want to comment on that?
0: No, I just said thank you as well, Amy. Um thank you for your openness and your vulnerability and and for and for doing this podcast and for inviting me into it and and uh allowing me to be a part of your life. I super appreciate you.
1: I I received that fully. Thank you so much. Um I'm sure we could do this again and again and again. So I'd love to have you back sometime. Uh, yeah, Trevor, thanks so much. We'll put all of your notes in the description for people to reach out to you, find more out about you and to stay in touch for when your book comes out. Yeah. That will be so exciting. So yeah. thanks again for being here.
0: Absolutely. And th- anybody wants to reach out on LinkedIn or Facebook, it's just under my uh, under my name and I will connect with anybody who wants. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Wow. This episode was a hit in my books. It was fulfilling. It was inspiring. And it was fun and reminded me of when we get to this place in our lives where we're sharing our story and our experiences. When we have healed through that, we can speak about really serious things and have enjoyment in the process of the sharing Because we are liberated from that story and we are sharing the experience to uplift and inspire other people. So let's go over my favorite winning takeaways from today. Looking in your own eyes can be so powerful. It's something that I use as a practice on a weekly basis. It's really important to look in your eyes and connect with you and speak life into your soul. The eyes are the window to the soul acknowledging someone when they open up to you when they're vulnerable and they share how they feel is such a gift saying thank you can change someone's life oh this this one hit me hard and it's so simple but maybe start asking people how they feel more consistently not just when they are sick can you imagine what kind of a ripple effect that would have if you generally ask people how they felt on a more consistent basis, not just when they are sick. Being vulnerable and authentic does not take away from your masculinity for all the men listening in. This has been a thread of consistency with all the men I speak to. I hope you're listening. I hope you receive that. In fact, being vulnerable and authentic adds and radiates your masculinity and who you are as a person. If you want to change how you feel, change the way you think. And one of Trevor's quotes when he said, the darkest day of my life became the best day of of his life, that can be you too. If you're going through a dark time, just know that there is light there and you can find it and it can become better. And lastly, calmness of mind that comes from meditation is an invitation into starting a meditation practice, or maybe you needed this reminder to pick it up again. And also, if you need guidance or practice with that, I have launched my Winning the Divine a Lottery membership. We meet once a week per month and... There is meditation that is involved in that because it's a huge part of my life. So if you'd like to join my membership, reach out to me or go to my website, www.amydawns.com. Thanks so much for joining me here today. I hope you loved this episode and enjoyed all the great takeaways. Please subscribe to my podcast and leave me a review. I would love to hear your feedback and do go ahead and share this with family and friends so that we can all be inspired to winning the divine lottery. Hop on over to my Instagram at amydons1111 for more daily inspiration. We'll see you soon.